0: Rob Doster
1: here, I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John
2: Finkton. Are we still live? Field of 68 till I die.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, man, I blacked out. Randolph children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Havka.
3: You're gonna beat people, straight up. You know the deal.
1: They have no swag, they have no nothing. Darrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors.
0: This is Field of 68 after dark
2: it is the field of 68 after dark on this wednesday evening february 28th the eve of the ever so rare february 29th leap day is just an hour away i'm john Fanta. rob doster is here john henson with the vintage tampa bay rays cap tonight mm-hmm is here. He's in the house and ready to go. He says he's got takes tonight, America. We had a very busy night in college basketball. We had a classic in the SEC that we're going to start with, but Henson, Henson, since you've got so many takes tonight, we're not going to keep the people waiting. I want you to give me the biggest thing on your mind right now in college basketball, things you've watched tonight, of anything on your mind. Give us John Henson's big take to start.
3: I'm going to give you my personal take right now. I got a live bet three and a half on Virginia. That's my biggest take of the night. I need them to figure out. Um, and then secondly, um, I'm going to go with just desperation, man. Just the desperation that teams are playing for. It's making this thing fun. You know, you got the Ole Miss game. Like Ole Miss came out with, you know, fire and kind of got lulled into this offensive fire game with Alabama. Now, Alabama's on top. Earlier today, the Auburn-Tennessee game, you thought Auburn had it. Tennessee fights back. Don't Connect looks like a pro out there. No one can guard him. Marquette spanks Providence. You know, Iowa State spanks. So it's 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 getting fun now, man, and uh, I'm excited.
2: Yeah, we'll have Brad Wachtel coming up, our bracketologist, among a couple of bracketologists that do fielding the 68 every single Monday and Friday updates. A plenty to come with that with several bubble teams in action. I think that's it, Rob. You know, before we get to the Tennessee Auburn Classic, like to me, we're watching all these teams play, and many of the bubble teams in the last 24 hours have lost, and it's just the latest indicator to me. I know that it feels inevitable with term and expansion, Rob Doster, but we cover this sport every day, and if you expand it, and when that expansion happens, it's just going to further dilute things because. Honestly, Rob, it feels like it's 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 hard on some nights to find the right sixty-eight, if not every night. Yeah, I mean
1: look at look at the way that the field is set up right now in our most recent field in the 68 bracket. New Mexico, Wake Forest, and Providence are three of the four teams in the playing games right now, right? New Mexico just lost at home. To air force wake Forest just lost at notre dame and providence <laughs> just lost by 25 at marquette so who are the teams that have a chance to jump them well utah just got smacked by colorado butler just got like 30 pieced at home by saint john's texas a&m just lost at home to south carolina it's not like the, there are all of these teams that are playing their way in right the, we don't we don't need to see all of these extra uh, extra high major programs getting into the NCAA tournament. If you're going to expand it, and I understand that it's inevitable, if it's going to happen, let's let some of these, high, the, these, these mid-major and low-major teams that win their league, that dominate their league, and then that can't find a way to get hot for four days in March in their conference tournament, let them have a crack at it too. You know, uh, okay, we can get the 11th team, the Big 12, and the Big East can get six and seven. We can let SEC get eight and nine in, right? You can let those other teams kind of get a little bit more of the pie. Make sure some of these mid-majors get access to it as well because at the end of the day, that's – if you go back and look at the games that have had the highest ratings in the NCAA tournament in recent years, it is fairly Dickinson getting to the second round of the NCAA tournament. It is St. Peter's playing on the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. It is Oral Roberts getting to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Those are the games that are fun. Those are the games that people want to see. Hey, you got a chance to get to the Final Four, and you got little old St. Peter's going up against a blue blood like North Carolina. Everybody's going to tune into that. That's what people want to yeah, see. Yeah. They want to see these Cinderella's let them more of them have a chance to be able to get this done. You could still get more seats at the table if you want with some of these high majors, but also just don't expand the tournament. The field's the perfect yeah. size. We don't need to go any bigger. It doesn't need to bigger is not always better.
2: I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, and I gotta tell you, like, it, it's a joke. I mean, it, Texas A&M has got to be one of the biggest disappointments in college basketball they were yes. projected to be a top 15 team tonight they lose at home to south carolina a and m now after that loss falls to 15 and 12 on the year i mean that's that 15 and 13 on the year that that's disappointing wake forest you just washed away everything you gained against duke <laughs> You washed it all away by going to Notre Dame and doing that. We'll get to bubble talk as the show deepens. Our top storyline tonight, the top game tonight, a top 11 showdown in Knoxville. Tennessee 92, Auburn 84. Dalton connect. You are not human. 39 points, 12 of 21 from the floor. He was dynamite. Rob Doster, when you see this result. Between two of the top five Pond defenses in America, 92-84 is your final score. What's it tell you about Tennessee?
1: Look, it's not anything that we haven't learned before, right? But there was one point in the second half. There was 12 minutes and 17 seconds left in the second half. Katie Johnson just made two free throws. The score was 63 to 55. Auburn looked like they had taken control of this game in the second half, right? Tennessee was up most of the first half. Auburn goes on this run. They get up by eight, and it feels like they're about to run away with this thing, and they're about to steal a win on Tennessee's home court. And you know what happened? Dalton Connect showed up. He scored 25 points in the last 12 minutes of this game, 25 of his 39. He literally put this team on his back. In the final 12 minutes of the game, he had 25. Auburn had 21. And to me, that is the difference between Tennessee this year and Tennessee every other year that we've seen them play. They've never had this before. Rick Barnes hasn't had a dude this good in college since Kevin Durant, quite literally, right? He hasn't had a guy that could take over a game like this since Kevin Durant. I don't even think that's a hot take, and I understand I am putting don't connect and Kevin Durant in the same sentence. But if you look at what he's doing this year, they don't run anything down the stretch. They quite literally put the ball in his hands and say, cook, or they run him off a pin down, and they say, go ahead and make a shot. Hit one of those mini pull-ups because nobody can challenge you. And, Henson, the craziest thing about this, man, because if you go back and you watch what he did in the second half, this dude's not even taking good shots. He's taking mm. contested pull-ups from like 13 feet off the triple. You, like, they're playing good defense on him. You just can't stop him, And that's why Tennessee is dangerous, because they have this defense that when they want to can really lock down. And then you got this dude who, like this, can go from having an okay game to putting up 39 on you.
3: 25 points in 12 minutes. Who does that? Yeah, Um, I, I was watching it in awe, right? It's been a while, man. Think about college basketball where a guy can put a team on his back offensively. Like, I'm just trying to, like, go back over time. I mean, he's doing stuff. You know, I don't want to, like, get too crazy into the names, but, like, you know, the Michael Beasys, the Kevin Durant's, were like, you just – he offensively just overwhelmed. I mean, I know Rick Barnes' offense is not give Dalton, connect the ball, and watch him go. Like, and that's what they were doing at one point. And it was a it was a sight to see. It was a beautiful thing to see. It was like watching the NBA game, you know, some of the moves, the packages that he has. And it just showed championship medal. It showed that Tennessee might be ready to turn that corner and get to the final four and be there on that last weekend with a shot. Um they looked good and and, and they were down. They were down looking like it was about to, like Rob said, it was looked like it was about to be. Auburn all the way, and they come back, he takes over, he's, he he has almost 40 points, an efficient 12 for 21, 5 for 8 from 3, and they weren't easy shots, um, and was in foul trouble the first half, so it, it just showed me that Tennessee has something that needs to be looked at, and also, I think if Tennessee gets to win these next two games, I think they got to win one of these next two games, I believe, and then they lock up the championship, so they got to beat Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, and I think they lock up at least a tie, so That was this was a big win for them at home because it's not about to be easy two three top 25 teams coming up that's gonna be tough
1: yeah they got that well they're they're tied with alabama so they got to beat alabama and get one more and and that'll get them the uh that'll get them at the the at least a share of the title john the 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 thing that the the other thing that's crazy about this is Mm -hmm. typically when we watch the best players in college basketball we're watching guys that are 19 or 20, right? That we know one day are going to be phenomenal when they play in the NBA, but are not quite there yet because they're quite literally still teenagers. Don't connect 23. Right now, Henson. Correct me if I'm wrong here. He can go play in an NBA game and get you 20 in an NBA game. Like he is, he is a pro right now. He's a pro playing in college. He is an NBA player. He's a guy that can go out and play in an NBA game in an NBA rotation, give you 20 minutes, probably get you 15 points. Right now, at this point in time, and he's doing it in college because he has such a crazy path. For the people that don't know, when he he was a six foot like point guard when he was a junior in high school. Um, he had his expert then, but when he went to college no one really wanted him, so he ended up at some JUCO in, in Colorado because he was trying to stay co- close to home. Um, then when he graduated from the JUCO his second year, uh, he had the choice, I think it was between Drake and Northern Colorado and those were the only two programs he wanted so we, that, that were really on him. So he we went to Northern Colorado closer to home and he averaged nine points as a junior in college. Like it, it's not like this dude has been a stud at the mid-middle. It's not like Max ace right and then he goes out as a senior he averages 20 everyone's like well okay he can score but he can't really guard and can he do it at the high major level so he goes to tennessee and he's even better now than he was when he was averaging 20 for northern colorado like his trajectory his growth his development it's a testament to him it's a testament to identifying guys that are late bloomers and it's just it's been a lot of fun to see him kind of grow and develop and 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 become the player that he is today. Because like I said, Finn, he is an NBA player right now playing in the SEC. Right now.
3: Listen, man, also that Juco route, that's what got that dog in him. Like, listen, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it, like, coming up, some of the best players that never got to play on the level of college, where the grades, they got in trouble, they were just, just overall knuckleheads, I mean, they had to go Juco route, kind of get their image right, get their grades right. I swear to you, kid, kids at the Juco level are just as good as the D1 level. They just haven't got a chance or something went wrong. And so don't get it twisted. Dawkin Neck was down there in Juco grinding, and that might have got him mm-hmm. into that mode because there's – like, I would say ju- junior college has the best athletes out of all the college sports. They just – don't pan out for whatever reason. So, his trajectory. I mean, yeah, I, I was in awe today. I was, I was, uh, I was marinating my chicken. I did some baked chicken, barbecue baked chicken today. I mm-hmm. had to like stop and just like watch, like, cause every time I looked up, he's like dagger after dagger, right? Like, just you know. So, I, I enjoyed that today, man. That that was a fun game to watch. One of the more fun games to to see, you know, this season.
1: It was not still whiskey. Are we, what are we marinating the chicken in? Is it? What, so, what are we marinating? I got in I got,
3: a, I got a smoked paprika, salt and pepper, uh, garlic powder, powder, onion powder. Put it in over twenty five minutes. Then I baste it with barbecue sauce. Had some rice. You know what I'm saying? When I'm, you know, when I'm watching the games, I like to cook a little bit. You know. Are we are we talking chicken breasts, chicken thighs? What are we doing there? Chicken thigh. I'm
1: a am a chicken, I'm a chicken thigh guy. Yeah. I like, I like, yeah, the chicken yeah, thighs. Chicken, yeah. the most yeah. underrated yeah. cut of meat that you're gonna find at the butcher shop. Oh, it's God. cheap, too. Die. Yeah, I wish you were great. here, man. I got extras. I got extra for you guys. But, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm coming, man. Let's go.
2: We're coming all over. Right. We're coming over. Here's the thing. Rick Barnes will be 70 this July. He's a six-time conference coach of the year. He is a national coach of the year. He went to a Final Four all the way back in 2003. It's been a while. He has had very successful teams in Knoxville. He's never had a team like this one. And if Rick Barnes is going to climb the ladder in Arizona, climb a ladder to cut down a national championship net, there is not going to be a better case, a better opportunity for him to do that than with this team right here, right now. Tennessee continues to show that they're in Tier A. Tier A in my mind, if I put together four or five national championship contenders. And that is because they've got the backcourt with Ziegler and Vescovy. They've got the defense. Defense has never been the issue for Tennessee basketball. But great offense beats great defense nine times out of ten. Now Tennessee has a dude that when they need him to, he delivers in the moment every time. He has Jimmer Fredette. Doug McDermott-like bucket-getting ability. He is that good. He is, and a, a, consensus. He is a consensus first-team All-American, <laughs> and the Tennessee Volunteers can win it all. There's no doubt in my mind this is Rick Barnes' best chance left in his career. Can I ask you guys
1: – I, I want to ask you guys both a question, right? So we – Everybody in college basketball media anointed Houston and Purdue, uh, I'm sorry, UConn and Purdue as like the top two teams separated themselves from everybody else in the sport, like what, like two weeks ago. Um, and then mm-hmm. UConn and Purdue lost. And now it's kind of been a theme we've talked about it the last two nights that Houston is right. They, they belong in the conversation with Purdue and UConn. Now, personally, I am not quite ready to, to put tennessee at the same level as those top three yet but i think it's a lot closer than people realize and i I don't think that they get enough credit where do you guys stand on that
3: i think they're 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 approaching they're still second tier but you know analytically um i don't know if the people at home know that like trapezoid of excellence i've been seeing online like they fit the bill of a team that can win a championship or a final four um you know with the offensive profile and defense profile. I think a lot of teams, even Houston, watching Houston last night, love the talent, love the defense. But they sometimes go cold on offense and become stagnant, and you only got to lose one game, and and it's all over. And so teams like that scare me. I like Tennessee a little more because they have a lot more offensive variability and the defense is going to travel. So like tonight, perfect example, Auburn has them on their heels. What team in the top five has a guy like Dawn Connect that can take over the game without, you know, even with Edie? We got to get Edie the ball. We're gonna double team. It got to the point where they were triple teaming Dawn Connect. And when you're triple teaming a kid in college, um it's not gonna go well for you, you know, just defensively yeah. and, and talent-wise. Um, so I, I like them as a real contender, uh, just off the basis off the fact that they have this offensive juggernaut that on any given night. I mean, if he goes to the tournament and roll starts rolling, you know, 30 point games off, Tennessee will be there at the end.
2: They're in the mix. They're, they're, they're in that top mix. They're not tier B for me. They are tier A. They have a combined mm-hmm. 12 quad one, quad two wins. They have no bad losses, no blemishes. They don't have a quadrant three loss, Tennessee. And if and if you look, Arizona has two. Uh they've got one quad three loss. North Carolina has one quad three loss. So The other teams that are in the mix for that two seed, uh, rather the one seed, to overtake Arizona. We're talking about Carolina. we got to be talking about Tennessee to get on the one line. More to come on After Dark.
1: As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember... BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost in my personal favor a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today
2: we're
0: driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
2: It's the Field of 68 After Dark on SiriusXM, YouTube, and X. I'm John Fanta. Rob Doster's here. John Henson is here. It's Wine (laughs) Wednesday. Find a glass of wine.
3: Wine Wednesday.
2: (laughs) And it's an SEC Wednesday. Hey, also coming up on the show, there are a lot of bubble teams. If you're a Providence fan, we know that you're out there. (laughs) If you are a Texas A&M fan, if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you're a Seton Hall fan, where does your team stand? Brad Wachtel's going to join us in the back half of the show about mm, 15 minutes from now. You're not going to want to miss it. SEC, here we go. South Carolina beats Texas A&M tonight 70-68. to 68. Lamont Paris is now 23-5 and five on the year. Florida, after a 16-17 year last year, they clinch a 21 season. They beat Missouri. And let's get to this here right now. Two minutes to go. Alabama and Ole Miss, Crimson Tide, are up by ten, and on the cusp of winning at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is about to drop to nineteen and nine on the year. For Alabama, it's a a road win and a win that keeps them in line with Tennessee for the huge showdown. Rob Doster on Saturday night. I love mm-hmm. the Southeastern Conference and their and their March potential uh, of the results tonight. What's your headline or what's your biggest takeaway of these other games?
1: Um, for me, it's the the bounce back for Alabama. You know, they got embarrassed over the weekend um, at Kentucky. And uh, to come back and dig themselves, I mm-hmm. think, what was it, Henson a 15-point deficit on the road and then uh, come yep. roaring back and find a way to be able to beat an Ole Miss team that has been great but is good enough and uh, it, it can be tough in their own building. Um, I think that showed a lot of metal. I think that showed a lot of uh, – a lot of toughness, and I think it was something that you probably should expect out of a team that's in the mix to win an SEC regular season title. Um, you know, they are they are just so explosive offensively, where you know that it's gonna come at some point, right? You know that there's going to be that wave where they hit four, five, six threes in the span of like five minutes. You know there's gonna be some 10-minute stretch and some half where they score 30 points. And as long as you can kind of keep pace with them there then you'll have a chance to be able to beat them because they, like he, like Nato said after the Kentucky game, like they just don't want to play defense, right? There are moments where they just decide, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we're not guarding today. Um, but I, I just, they're so explosive offensively that they are one of the teams where uh, I think that they can literally beat anybody when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I would not be shocked to see them beat UConn or beat Purdue or beat Houston or beat anybody in the sport this year. I would also not be shocked if they were like a three seed and they were the team that got picked off in the first round of the tournament because they decided to have one of the nights where the shots didn't go down and they decided they didn't want to play defense.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm actually watching the game and I mean, the explosive is, is on display. They just hit two threes to close the game out within 30 seconds. They didn't have to shoot the ball. Um, you know Alabama is, is tricky to me because they do not play defense. And I'll give this example: if me and John Fan line up hundred times, I may win ninety nine times. But if I don't play defense, John can beat me, and that's how I see Alabama. Like, well,
2: thank you, this John. Game,
3: yeah, yeah. You know this this game; it, it they're up by thirteen or whatever, fifteen, and they're going to win the game. But they just don't play enough defense, and Alabama is going to run into a team that can go toe to toe with them and defend and you see what happens. Alabama has a lot of a couple bad, bad losses because they just don't defend. Um and Ole Miss got into when I was playing in North Carolina, we would pray to God teams want to run with us. I mean we would pray to the gods above that teams would be like, hey, we're gonna run with Carolina. And Ole <laughs> Miss tried to do that today. And this is what happens. You cannot go bucket for bucket Toe to toe with Alabama, you have to defend, keep your principles, take good shots, don't let it be an up and down game because this was a thirty point swing. Oh, Miss was up fifteen mm-hmm. points, so they're a scary team to say the least. So this Tennessee game is uh, coming up. I'm excited That's about it, but fun, I, I really, I, I I have Tennessee rolling. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Alabama Ooh. is going to defend them. I got Tennessee rolling. Quote me on I do thing.
1: think it, I do think game day in Tuscaloosa is gonna it's gonna mean that Coleman Coliseum is absolute. Like they, they those fans will show up for the big games. Also, I just want to say for the record, Henson, uh, that back yeah. in the day in, in the Seton Hall intramural leagues, they used to call John Fanta the Tolu Smith of Newark. All right, that was his reputation. That was his nickname. There, my man's got a low post if, game. You don't understand. He's got the jump John, hooks. He's if, got the if, own
3: numbers. Rob. If I don't defend John Fenner, he will he will he will cook. I will get cooked. Yeah. Like that's the Alabama. Get, that's Alabama. Like we're just gonna go toe to toe. Hopefully we score more than you. If we don't, we're gonna be lose by thirty. Like that's what happens. You'll get baked
1: are. like chicken thighs, man. You'll get baked like chicken thighs. You'll um, I got please flip I got that. one I got one take for you.
3: I'm i Thank <laughs> you, problem. Trevor.
2: Yeah, yeah. Please <laughs> hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, Rob. I, I'm gonna do my victory lap here. Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers legend, John Henson just told me that if we played a hundred times one-on-one that I would beat him once. That's the biggest compliment I've ever received in my life.
3: I, I, I said, I said, if I don't defend, you'll be able to beat me. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. You can't take it
2: back down. You, you can't take it back down. You
3: can't take it back down. One in 99. Hey, One in
2: 99. Baby. Listen,
3: we got to go back because look, the Twitter people dissect everything we say. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to go back and watch this. See what I said, you know, dissected and <laughs> then I'm going to go in your mouth and I'm going to just bother you. like. You know, so
1: what do you I, got, I will Ryan? say
3: this: Cleveland sports fans are used to having one to ninety
1: nine seasons, so that wouldn't be uh, all that odd. <laughs> Sorry, that fan. And
2: disrespectful. That let, let let's talk you, about man. college basketball. Um, here's the thing: I don't think Tennessee is going to blow out Alabama. And they're sure as hell not going to do it in Tuscaloosa. Alabama's going to win that game because home court advantage means everything in college basketball. I disagree with you veh- vehemently. I know, I know that you're. I'll, I'll go right. ahead. I'll, I'll face you when I I'll, want here. I'll, I'll, it's no, no, listen. In- listen.
3: We can make a dinner. We can do a little dinner bet. Look, look, man. We'll, we'll do a dinner. Are we, do I do you want straight up or you want you want to spread? Which one do you want? Because yeah, straight up, the I, I love my
2: chances. I don't do any chicken thighs. Okay. I want red meat. (laughs) So this will be a stake. This will be a stake somewhere of your choosing here for who wins Alabama and Tennessee. Deal? That works. Deal. All right, let's see. I like Wagyu. I like
3: Wagyu, though. I like Wagyu. I like A5 Wagyu, so you're in trouble if they win. I'm telling you right now.
2: Uh, Okay. Here's here's my thing. Here's my thing. Ole Miss, you're not a tournament team. Your resume is fraudulent. Your record is now nineteen and nine. You're four and six against Quad One. That's not bad. I've seen worse. You don't have a single Quadrant Two win. You're zero and two. And then you've stacked together eight and zero Quad Three, seven and zero Quad Four. Ole Miss, right now. You're a subway sandwich, too much bread. Sorry. <laughs> But there's just not enough meat on that sandwich. <laughs> you haven't done enough. You have not done enough. Tell tell me I'm wrong, either of you two. I don't think Ole Miss belongs in the field of 68 right now. I really do not. It's a if it's about who you've beaten.
3: They they definitely don't belong. Um, you know, but I will say this: I'm very big on how a team looks. They look like a tournament team, but the results don't show it, and that's just what it is. But they look like a tournament team. Unfortunately, they've had some tough losses, and it's the SEC bus man. I mean, I think Ole Miss in another conference probably makes the tournament.
1: I, I I will say this: I don't I don't think that Ole Miss is close. Like, I wouldn't. I don't even think that no. like one of the next four out for me. Like, I, I just. I don't know. I know we will have. We can ask Brad this question when he comes on. But I just feel like they're not even like they're, they're not in the conversation for me at this point. Like they have to go out and win a couple games before to get in the conversation, and then win a couple more to be able to be on the right side of the bubble. Like if you don't look at what they scheduled the non conference man, like there's there's nothing there. They Temple, NC State, Memphis, UCF, California. Okay, like what are we doing here, right? And now you are. Uh, uh, it's it's a not nice six and nine. In the SEC, like, I just, they're not, they're not there. And this is what they got left. Yep. Mizzou, Georgia, and Texas, like, they're not, they're not a tournament. Doesn't do anything for
2: me. They had they're non conference.
1: They had to win this.
2: They're not conference strength. of schedule is 241. That's just not mm-hmm. good enough, according to Kemp. Pump. I do want to talk about Lamont Paris and South Carolina, Rob. I got to I gotta take, can
1: I got to take. Can I throw a take at you? Zachary about, Davis about with the game
2: winner. What's your take? What's your take on the game talk, Cox.
1: Okay. They are, it's, I believe it's 23 and five. Now let me make sure I got that record, right? That's what I have it in front of me. Uh, yeah. 23 and five. They're 11 and four in the sec. They are a game out of first place in the sec and they still get a chance to get Tennessee at home. So if Tennessee loses to Alabama and South Carolina wins out, South Carolina will at minimum have a share of the sec regular season title, right? To me with all of, when you consider all of that, They're also 46th in the net, and they – I'm sorry, 46th in Ken Palm, and they don't have a great net score. They remind me of Providence in 2022, Fanta, where – you know they have really good guards. You know they're coached really, really well. You know they got big guys that are going to be able to do what they do. You have a bunch of old dudes that understand their roles. You have transfers that have come in and bought in, and they're winning games, they're close games, they're grinding them out, and they know how to execute in the important moments, in the clutch moments. Um, I'm not going to throw the luck luck factor out there, but I do think that there's some of the same elements to uh, the run that Providence made when they won the Big East. And what South Carolina is doing right now, it just feels like very similar situations. Is that you're the you're the biggest guy, man? Is that is that right? Is that fair?
2: I don't think it is fair because I think I think this Southeastern Conference tests you in every single way. And at the end of the day, I know they got blown out by Auburn, uh, but they beat Kentucky and beat them like a drum. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beat them by seventeen <laughs> points. Now, is Kentucky a different team today? than they were on January 23rd? Yes. Yes. There's no question about that. But South Carolina went to Tennessee and beat them in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Now, that Providence team won a lot of great games. They didn't win a game like that on the road over a, over the, the fourth-ranked team in the country. So I'm not going to disrespect. I mean, I, I. and I'm not saying you are disrespecting, but Henson. Yeah. I thought
1: between, it was a compliment. <laughs>
2: Well, you call them lucky. Was the The you know team
1: a that made the Sweet Sixteen. Like they were good. That team was really good.
2: That's true, but I but I think the luck thing was a little bit of a slight at them. Like they've gotten fortunate here. You're twenty three and five, John Henson. There's nothing fortunate about that.
3: Nothing fortunate about that. I, I, the Big East is kind of a you know we, I talked about it a little bit, man. Like you know it's kind of weird how you know these teams are getting beat like a you know beat like they stole something. Yet we're like hailing the big East is like the top, you know, whatever conference. So, you know, that's just my take on it. Um, We'll see what happens. We're all, we're going to find out. It'll shake out. But right now, I mean, as far as the top teams, the top tier, I mean, big East is loaded at the top and they're going to be a tough out uh any of those top teams, you know, the the or Yukons. um even if those, those middle of the road teams get in, you know, like St. John's, I don't want to see them either. Like, Rick, Bar- Rick Rick, Rick is, he's one of the best coaches ever, and I mean, he's led what's going to be leading six schools potentially to the tournament. Like he, he, knows what he's doing, so don't want to see any of those Big East teams. But whoa, well, let's just pump the brakes a little bit, you know? Let's be a little bit. We'll East.
2: talk about that coming up. We got Brad Wachtel, our bracketologist, one of them from Fielding the sixty-eight. Who's on the bubble? Who's in? Who's out? Tons of teams to get to. Where does your team stand? Next.
1: Big news guys, I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best College Hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your College Hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, Contests from your favorite creators all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot. The Autograph fandom Map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the App Store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app if you are choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal
3: as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple.
2: Welcome back to the Field of 68. After dark, it's time for Bubble Watch with Brad Wachtel, our bracketologist on the Fielding, the 68 crew. Every Monday, every Friday, they've got a fresh bracket for you. The latest coming into their last show. Okay, On their last show, they unveiled their last four in of Providence, Gonzaga, Wake Forest, and New Mexico. First four out was Villanova, who won last night over Georgetown doesn't really help. Texas A&M, Utah, and Butler. So, Brad, uh, we were talking about the Big East heading into our last break. This was a big night for Butler, St. John's, Seton Hall, and Providence. Seton Hall and Providence get drubbed on the road. St. John's throttles Butler. What does this all mean? Looks like we might be having some technical difficulties.
4: Yeah, so this Butler John's game to me, this was a play out game. Um, I think.
1: Fanta, go ahead. Take it, Fanta. Yep.
2: Brad, we'll try we'll uh see if we we'll see if we can get you back. Uh, we'll see if we can get him back. So so here's my take. Okay, Rob. Seton Hall and Providence. For Providence tonight, uh, they were in the la- They were in our last four in. I don't think that this one singular result totally knocks them out of the field. Myself, they lost ninety one to sixty nine to a Marquette team that's won eleven of their last twelve games. The only loss being to UConn. Seton Hall goes to Creighton and loses eighty five to sixty four. But Seton Hall wasn't even in the last four in. In fact, they weren't even. They they were uh, off the eleven line in our feeling the sixty eight bracket. They were up to the ten line. Brad, I think we got you back. The Big East results tonight, what's your take on what happened this evening?
4: Yeah, so again, sorry about that, guys. Uh, we got a lot of wind here where, I'm, where I live. Um, so, yeah, so St. John's and Butler, it was a playout game for me. So Butler has now been in a, a downslide over these last few weeks. Um, they're going to need to win the Big East tournament now to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, and St. John's remains alive now. They still have a lot of work to do, though. They need wins over the field. And unfortunately, for their sake, they only have two at the moment, and that's against Creighton and Providence. There are two more that are waiting in the wings for them in Villanova, who they beat twice. So for St. John's sake, they need Villanova to finish strong. And, you know, some people might say, well, they're competing against each other uh, for a bid. We're still far enough away where you don't need to worry about that right now. But St. John's, the committee, looks at who have you beaten teams in the field? Where did you beat them? And right now, St. John's needs that. And their final two games are against DePaul and Georgetown. And that's not doing anything for them. Um, so they still have a ways to go. They're going to need to win some games in the Big East tournament as well to really have a shot to get a bid.
2: Uh, Brad, Brad, what about how... Providence and Seton Hall? What about Providence and Seton Hall getting blown out tonight?
4: Not ideal, both are still in the field. The problem with getting blown out, as you guys know, metrics are a big issue or are, are something that the committee focuses on. Um, now, the metrics that will hurt them, they're predictive metrics. So I think their seeds will take a hit, especially uh, Seton Hall, who currently has the worst net, uh, if any, at-large team. And Typically, if you're a team that has the worst net of any at-large team, you're going to end up in Dayton. Now, they still have time to right the ship. They play at UConn next. We don't expect them to win that game, but it would be nice if, for their sake if they can at least be competitive. Um, And then down the stretch, they finish up with Villanova and DePaul. If they can win both of those games, they'll be in the NCAA tournament. If they lose to Nova and beat DePaul, they're not a lock. I still like their chances, um, but Dayton would be the likely scenario for them. Um, And then in Providence's case, uh, Providence finishes with Villanova at home, at Georgetown and UConn. Honestly, I think they need to win two of those three games, and they will get into the NCAA tournament. But yeah, we, there's still there's only a few games left, but so much can still happen.
1: Yeah, but Brad, I wanted to ask you how the committee is going to look at Providence because there, I feel like there's three different kind of segments of their season, right? You have the point when you have Bryce Hopkins and they look like a top 25 team and they're 11-2 and two and 2-0 two and in the Big East. Then he gets hurt in the Seton Hall game and they proceed to lose that and three in a row after that. Then since then, since they kind of figured out how they're going to play without him, uh, they've won seven out of 11 and now they're sitting here in a situation where they're kind of right there on the bubble and it feels like we knew who they were beforehand. Now we know who they are now. They got this four-game losing streak in the middle as they're kind of figuring it out. How does... How do you take all of that into, uh, I mean, I feel like, they, how do you evaluate all of that on the whole? How does a committee go to look at that?
4: Yeah, so I think there's, a, there's clearly a large enough sample size since Bryce Hopkins got hurt, which was late December. And Providence has been able to get some quality wins since then. They beat Creighton, St. John's, who's a bubble team. And, but another key part, they have not picked up any key losses. So they're, they're one of the bubble teams and one of the just few bubble teams that don't have any bad losses. And I think that's, uh, an extremely positive, uh, aspect of their resume. They still have a top 40 strength of record, which is pretty strong for a bubble team. Um, just like St. John's, their predictive metrics aren't great, which kind of puts them towards Dayton at the moment. Um, but like you said, I think they're, they're judged over the course of the last couple months. And now that being said, their wins with Bryce Hopkins, it's not like their wins over Wisconsin and Marquette don't count at all. They still count. I think the committee just wants to see that this team can be competitive enough. There have been a couple games where they've been blown out. Not ideal, but I think they've shown enough where they are still a quality team that should be in the field.
3: Brad, so switching over, we're going to go ACC now. What do we make of Wake Forest and the ACC in general? as far as, you know, at large bids and who's on a bubble and who needs to, you know, who has work to do.
4: Yeah. So Wake Forest was my last team in the field uh, prior to their loss at Notre Dame. Um, now losing at Notre Dame, Notre Dame's been playing better of late. Um, it's just a quad two loss. So I know people make it out to be a huge deal. I'm not going to say it was a, it's obviously not a good loss, um, but the problem for Wake Forest is their record away from home. That's where the issue lies. They're now three and 10 away from home, which is the worst record of any at-large team, any bubble team that's trying to get in that large bid. So for me, Mm -hmm. Wake Forest is now in my first four out category as my first team out of the field, and they have work to do. They're just two and four against Q1 and six and 10 against Q1 and two. Their predictive metrics are strong, but that has no that has no say in whether or not you get into the field. It's all about your results and their strength of record is right now is 52, which isn't particularly great. Um, as far as other teams in the ACC, you know, right now you, Virginia for me is in my last four in, uh, I believe they, they just won at Boston college tonight. So they're gonna, they're gonna hold ground. Um, they've been an interesting team because when they lose, they lose bad. Um, and when they <laughs> win, it's typically tight games. But, you know, they are not a lock by any means. Um, and then other teams that are rounding out the ACC, Pittsburgh was a team that really had a chance to get close to the field, possibly even break into the field or at least reach the, the first four out had they won at Clemson. So that was a significant uh, missed opportunity, even though they do have solid wins on the road at Duke and at Virginia, which is why they are still, somewhat relevant. Um, and then if you go down the ACC a little bit further, a lot of people want to know about Syracuse. What are their chances? Syracuse is, they still got work to do. They still finish up at Louisville, at Clemson. Got to win both games. And then I think you got to win two more in the ACC tournament um, to pick up some more wins against the field. Because uh, right now they, they're they just not quite there yet.
2: Brett. Gonzaga has one Quadrant 1 win. They're 1-5 against Quadrant 1. 18 of their 21 wins have come in Q3 and Q4. Why are they currently in our last four in?
4: Yeah, so one, there's two reasons. Number one is their non-conference strength of schedule, which is currently top 25. How often do we see the committee say on Selection Sunday, well, this team had a strong non-conference strength of schedule. Now, obviously, that's not the only thing they have. Um, To to go with that, they don't have any bad losses. And most importantly, they won at Kentucky. So Kentucky has been playing strong lately, and Kentucky owns wins against North Carolina. Uh, They won at Auburn. They beat Alabama. They won at Mississippi State. They won at Florida. Those are some strong, strong wins. And right now, Kentucky is a projected four seed. Um, Had Kentucky fallen off a little bit, and if they kind of drop down to like a 7 or an 8 seed, somewhere in that vicinity, I think Gonzaga would have would really need to beat St. Mary's on the road coming up. Um, they still might, might need to beat them, but the way their seed goes is the way Kentucky plays. The better Kentucky plays down the stretch, the better of a chance Gonzaga has to get into the field. Um, and even though that's their only significant win of the season, it's a major victory.
1: How bad was the loss for New Mexico on Saturday at home to to Air Force?
4: Yeah, so New Mexico, I had it seemed like they were fairly safe in the field and had them as a nine seed. And losing that game, they actually dropped into my last four. In um, it's it's a big deal because it's a quadrant four loss. Um, their strength of record dropped from forty six to fifty nine. Um, and I know this is just a small sample, but for people that don't know much about strength of record and who gets in with what strength of records. Uh, last year, the worst strength of record to get an at-large bid into the field was Pittsburgh. Um, and they were, I believe, was they were 54. Um, so not a great number to be at, 59. Um, so now they have two bad losses and a, Q th- a Q4 loss. They're under 500 against Quadrant 1 opponents, 5-5 um, five and five against Q1 and 2. I still have them in the field. They still have a top 30 net. Um, I think their win, their biggest win of the season, is going to is probably going to end up being at Nevada, who is currently playing extremely well. And for New Mexico's mm-hmm. sake, all of their key wins were coming at home. They needed a win away from home to really put their stamp on it. And uh, that win at Nevada is is keeping them in the field right now.
1: What are the, so they got at we're Boise at- State, Fresno State, and at Utah State left. Do they have to win two of those, you think? You can't lose the home game to Fresno State and you got to pick off one of Boise or Utah to feel good?
4: To feel
2: good, yes. They do that, they'll be in. Brad, we have 15 seconds here. Michigan State, they're 17-11, and 9-8 in their league. We know that there's many more things that matter. No bad losses. Uh, any part of you that says they're in danger of missing the NCAA tournament?
4: So they're not a lock. Um, I mean, they finished the season with at Purdue, Northwestern, and at Indiana. In an ideal situation, you win two out of three, they'll be in the field. Um, if they lose out, absolutely, they're out of the field.
2: There it is. Spartans hmm. has some work to do. I agree with you. Read him at Brad underscore Wachtel. W-A-C-H-T-E-L. I know he's going to talk some Seton Hall fans off the ledge in the morning. <laughs> Brad, thanks as always.
4: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate you being here, Brad.
2: Fielding the 68 is the best bracket show that you can find every Monday and Friday. I I I can't wait for the Friday. I can't wait. Uh, Coming up, we'll go in the Big Ten. We'll hit on the rest of college basketball as well. This is After Dark. What's
1: going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets, to the stars that are out injured, to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies Watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite teen in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest the field of 68 the best thing i can say about our merch is the quality of the product anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans and there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life everything you need is at thefieldof68.shop
2: it's the Field of 68 after dark on this Wednesday night, February the 28th. John Fanta, Rob Doster, John Henson with you. Duke rolls tonight 84-59 to over Louisville. Blue Devils get back on track. Uh, they've won 16 of their last 19 games, but John Henson, I want to get your take, okay? Have not heard your updated thoughts on the, the return tonight of Kyle Filipowski from an ankle injury suffered after a court storming incident in Winston Salem on Saturday that sent the sports world into a frenzy. Number one, should court stormings be banned? Number two, what did you make of the Filipowski drama?
3: Um, on the court storming thing, it's, it's part of college basketball. Uh, I think it's something that needs to stay. I think it makes the game fun. I, I do, however, believe there should be something where you know the it's it could get awkward, but you know, they have ways to communicate with students and fans via phones or, or even on their tickets. Say, hey, look! If you when you want to storm the court, if you want if you're storming the court, please wait for the other team to remove themselves. I don't think that's that big of an ass. It'll take ten seconds. And you put, know, put the shot clock on, enough, man, but I think,
1: Here's what you do: you start exactly. as soon as the buzzer goes off. You start the shot clock. You let all the players get out. You get the white rope in front of the guys shaking hands, and then the shot clock counts down. And It's three, two, boom. boom. Everyone on the
3: Exactly. That's a, that's I the think that's the that's best control. way to do it. You can't take that's a, It's a cultural, it's a cultural thing, man. Like I, I love to see that, 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 that helps the game. So I, I don't think you should ban it. Um, in reference to Filipowski, um, it's good to see he's healthy. He's back because if that was an injury that was a little more serious, we'd really have to sit down and talk about what we need to do with this. So glad he's back. Uh, they got to play a team that he could kind of, not maybe be a hundred percent and get out there and 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 test it out so happy for that but you know thank god we got Philip Halski back right Rob thank god he's back Henson, from the, Henson, from the are, you this, are you impressed with are you impressed with his toughness like we question this dude I am, team we I am whether or not they I am, dogs I am so we question their heart <laughs> I, listen I it was the epitome of brotherhood when everyone ran after Filipkowski like he was in a war zone, um, and and cradled him and hugged him when he was, you know, limping off the court. I mean, that was the epitome of the Duke brotherhood. I, I am just so envious of of what those guys have over there at Duke. I mean, I can't even put it into words. So, um, but yeah, it's good to have him back, and uh, Duke looks good. It looks like it's going to be another ACC season where. North Carolina is going to have to beat Duke at their place to take home the crown. So that's what we're used to, and that's what I, I I'm 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 ready for it, and and they'll be ready too.
2: That's going to be a hell of a yep. scene. That is going to be a hell of a scene in Durham. I can't wait for it. Hey, let's go to the Big Ten. Final score tonight: Illinois, one hundred and five. Minnesota, improved <laughs> Minnesota, 97. Terrence Shannon goes for 29 points. Illini are 21-7. and seven. Three for the Illini go for 20-plus. Rob Doster was the highest-scoring Big Ten game this year. Your reaction to the Illini? And with the calendar about to turn to March, what's Rob Doster's honest expectation level for Illinois in the month of March?
1: My expectation level for Illinois is that I should not expect anything out of them because I, I I don't know like you just never know wow. what wow. team is going to show they gave up. They gave up seventy percent from the three line against Minnesota. Like they they, they they it looked like they were allergic to playing defense, and I think that for me part of what the appeal of this Illinois team is um if you look at them defensively, like they got. Their starting lineup when you roll through Quincy Gary, Coleman Hawkins, Marcus Domas, Ty Rogers, and Terrence is like you basically got five dudes that are all between six four and six nine, where the point guard, Ty Rogers, is like a six foot four junkyard dog that is super switchable. And Coleman Hawkins is super switchable. And Quincy Gary is like your quintessential kind of combo forward that should be super switchable. And Terrence Shannon is six foot six and super athletic, and he's super switchable. And they have the makings of a of a team that should be great defensively. And there are times that they are. And then you see things like tonight where they give up 97 points to a Minnesota team that is albeit improved and is fantastic against the spread they covered again tonight. um, That it it just they you, you shouldn't be giving up 97 points and 14 threes to this Minnesota team. So that's I I love what the ceiling is of this Illinois team. Right. When they are at their best. They are electric. They get out in transition. They play that booty ball. It, it's Marcus Domas can get you 30. Um, Terrence Shannon can get you 30. We saw Coleman Hawkins go over 30 the other night, right? So there are a lot of weapons on this roster. Um, I just I, I don't know how much I trust them. Right, and I feel like this is the kind of team that will end up in like that four seed range. Will win a game in the first round, and they can kind of get picked off in the second round. I think they have the talent to make it to like an elite eight. That's that's what I think their ceiling is this year. Maybe a Final Four, Um, but I, I just there's it feels like we see a different Illinois team every time that they take the the court, and a lot of times it's good because they're versatile and they can show you different things. But it just I have in terms of what I expect, I have no idea what to expect on any given night when Illinois takes the floor
3: that's that's how this that's how they've been uh they're a high variable team we for the last couple years we've i mean rob we watched them in the garden last year we were like oh my god this is a national championship team Mm -hmm. right like that's how good they looked so um yeah, they just have too high of a variability. We don't know what what are they going to defend today? Are they going to score? Is Coleman Hawkins going to look like a pro, or is he just going to kind of meddle around and 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 just you know be a regular out there, even though he has the size and talent to to be that guy? Um, and you know when you talk about the seeding, the four seed, five seed, there's a four thirteen, five twelve upset every year, and Illinois could be that team that make it go home early because they. They just want to turn it on or they think they can turn it on when they can. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, on the other end of that, if they do heat up and start playing well over this next few they – they can make a run and they can compete talent-wise with any team in this country. So, um, like Rob said, I don't trust them, but it'll be fun to see their first game. I'm going to be tuned in for their first game just to see what team is going to come to play uh, in their first game in the first weekend. I, I think
1: Illinois and Kentucky are the two teams that I kind of circled and say – I want to watch them every time that they play, right? Because yep. you kind of never really know what's going to happen. They could be down by 20 and can still find a way to come back because they have that kind of uh, offensive firepower. They have a bunch of guys that can go in there and get buckets. And, Fan, I'll tell you this if you end up on a night where Marcus Domask, Terrence Shannon, and Coleman Hawkins are all playing their best, like, good luck, man. <laughs> good, good luck dealing with that. Fanta is muted. Fanta is talking here, and he's muted. (laughs) And 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 he's back. (laughs) Fanta is muted. Well, all right. I'm I'm looking at Fanta.
3: Okay, go ahead, Henson. Take over the show. Guys, 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 guys. This Illinois team has the potential to win a national championship. I'm just going to put it on the table right here, right now. This team with Coleman Hawkins, Marcus and Terry Shannon has the potential to win a national championship. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it right there. Rob, I'm going to leave it to you. What else you got on these guys? Do you think that they have a chance to make a Final Four?
1: Yes, I do think they have a chance to make a Final Four. And if I'm going to do my Fanta impression, guys, I grew up in Cleveland. I grew up a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I love my brownies, Henson. Let's get into toast of the night. I am John Fanta. Let's get out of here really quick,
3: Henson. Who is your toast of the night here? As we, end I'm toast to the dark? I'm toast to a player who really got that dog in him. Dog Connect putting Tennessee on his back today, L- literally on his back. I haven't seen a performance where he somebody carried a team like that in a long, long time. So shout out to Dog Connect. He's going to make a lot of money very soon. But right now, he's got to focus on that championship.
1: All right. My toast tonight is going to go out to
3: uh, Alan Huss,
1: the head coach at High Point University. His first year at High Point, they were picked seventh in the Big South, and they were the Big South regular season champions. Santa, are you back?
2: Do you guys hear me? You got me. He's back, baby. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Come toast. back in the season. Yeah, that's right. We're back. We're back. Um. I'm going to toast St. John's for keeping their season alive. But I was just going to say this, Illini fans. You're going to go 2-1 and down the stretch. But one of those two wins, you're going to beat Purdue next week. Last call is next on Stadium.